Welcome to our Path to Pro series with Legend Soccer Company. My name is Thomas Clark. I'm here with Roland Benedict, the co-founder of Legend Soccer Company. Roland also played professionally for a club called Racing Ghent out of Belgium. And we're here to do our Path to Pro series. And, and through all that, we're aiming to highlight the career paths of hopefully a large number of professional soccer players that navigated the professional game in a number of different ways from professionals at the top of the game, making millions of dollars, to players even working other jobs just to fulfill their dreams of being a professional athlete and enjoying the beautiful game. Our series is dedicated to telling their story and, and telling the story of what it truly means to be a professional soccer player. And the first pro we're gonna highlight is, is Roland. And um, yeah. Well, it's good to be here, man. It's uh. It, it's been it's been interesting, you know, knowing knowing you for so long. Like, I've always felt in our group of friends, I've never been able to. Everyone knows that I played overseas and I played sure. for a host of clubs, but nobody really knows what I went through, my experiences, and the tasks, trials, and tribulations it took for me to go play over there. And so I think it's going to be fun for you and I to talk about it, but at least there'll be a recording where people that are friends of ours former might go, wow, I never know you had to do that or you had to you know, take a train or they said no or they said yes. So I think, I think it's, gonna be, it's gonna be really fun. Uh, it's gonna be a really fun chat. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a unique thing because obviously you coached me and um, not everybody knows that, but just into my background a little bit, I played at Whitefish High School and Roland was on the staff when I played and was a great mentor and a role model for me and um scored lots of goals on him by the way he scored lots of goals <laughs> on me when I was playing but but all I really knew about you you had to throw that in there but of course all I really knew about you was that you played with some of the best players in the world you played professionally internationally and that was something that I really loved hearing about especially when I ended up going and playing collegiately and continuing my career obviously it's a unique thing to go abroad and play. And that's something that I want to touch on today. What was the first thing that they kind of made you want to do that? You know, how did you, how do you think I'm this kid from Big Fork, Montana? And you can talk about that too, but I'm a kid from this small town in Montana. Who am I to think that I can go and try to play abroad and play professionally? It was probably a little, a little misguided. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was always, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. I was a basketball player first. I grew up wanting to be a basketball player. And then all of a sudden I fell in love, fell in love with the soccer. I fell in love with the game and they were very even and, and coming out of, you know, coming out of Big Fork High School, we have 300 kids in the whole, in the whole school. You know, I know everyone by their first name coming out of there. I was recruited to play basketball at you know division one division two programs soccer division two really successful soccer programs i wanted to play both in college if i took that route sure but to be honest i just despised school like just despised it i hate being told what to learn wasn't passionate about anything and i, I just wasn't a good student at the time yeah. and i think that's a lesson that i now as a head coach and as a soccer coach pass down to my players that you got to do your schoolwork. I know that you need to because I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I sure. was a terrible student. <laughs> yeah, but me too. <laughs> when I when I graduated, I I realized that 
as doing more research and, and in the United States, we were having more access to the European landscape of soccer. Games are televised. World Cups televised constantly. And, sure. and that's kind of right when it started in the early 2000s where games were on TV a lot, like a lot. And I went, I'm 18. I'm never going to be younger. You can always go back to college if yeah. I want to go play. Absolutely. But I said, Dad, I think I want to try and play professionally. I know that they give younger players a better look in Europe than they do the MLS and the, and the American landscape at that point. You had to be coming out of college, recruited at a college, or in a metropolitan area and be a big, this big recruit. Sure. So I said, let's go try and play. You know, there's so many teams over in Europe. Let's go try and play. And my dad being awesome and who he is and a go-getter and someone that pursues dreams said, yeah. absolutely. It'll probably be cheaper than me sending you to school anyway. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So let's go Class do it. Dirt. And so we moved over and he, you know, supported me and we, we went after it. And, and I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't recruited. I just went over and just tried to find some, some tryouts. Anybody that let me come show what I got. Sure. Yeah, that's so interesting because it's funny because I always assumed that you probably had opportunities that you went to directly. But so I guess – and it's so it's so interesting because people probably think I've heard all this before. But this is all the first time I've heard any of this, <laughs> no. which is awesome. Um, so you get over there. I mean, first of all, where did you start? What country did you start in? But was it was it super difficult finding opportunities or were you just kind of going around and – getting access to tryouts super easily or was that something that was kind of inaccessible? Uh, you know, everyone, everyone has their own, their own path. And I, and I think I had, I was fortunate enough that my dad had worked over in Europe. And so he knew people in England, especially. And that's where I went one same language Two, it's one of the biggest leagues in the world. So, sure. and they have a good structure of leagues underneath it. So, you know, there's a low-level team that I can get on. I mean, not even – doesn't have to be in the top divisions, just sure. fifth, sixth, seventh tier. Yeah. And he had known friends and in the soccer world that I learned very quickly in England and all across other countries, everyone knows everybody. Somebody knows somebody at a soccer club. Mm -hmm. And so we called, and I went over, and we got, a, we got an apartment, a little flat with a park down the street, and I would go down and train on my own. With my dad would come down and help me. And then somebody said, yeah, we'll, we'll have him come down for a day. I just got a day. It was at uh, Gillingham. And, and that's, that's, in, that's in Essex. That's on the mouth of the River Thames. And Gillingham said, yeah, come down for a day. Came down for a day. I rode in the back of the kit guy's little mini like sprinter van. <laughs> sure. Nobody would give of me a ride. Right? So I'm in the yeah. back there. Uh, get to the training field. And and I forget their names now, but there was a Canadian national team player, uh, Thomas Radzinski for the Canadian national team that played there. He wasn't at training that day, but he was there. And there were some, you know, guys, I mean, at the time were Division One, I, I believe. They're a good team. And I go to training, and I, I remember my dad telling me the story. Uh, you know, actually, he we should probably interview him. But yeah, <laughs> his, his knowledge and stories behind that would be great too. But yeah, I think... At that tryout, it was the most nervous he's ever been in his life. Because yeah. you go from Big Fork High School, where we never went to the playoffs. We lost the majority of our games. We had kids that had never played soccer before in your starting lineup. Yeah, totally. 
to yeah you're kind of coaching the team a little bit exactly at this point. as a player of my caliber and I wasn't you know I was a very good player but it's not like if you saw me playing for Big Fork you go man this kid's got to go to Europe no and now you're an 18 year old you're playing with guys that at the top tier are national team players that yeah, make a big impact if you're 18 you're playing the under 19 under 20s for your national team sure right sure but you weren't you're playing at big fork i'm playing at big fork coaching your own t- team basically yeah. i mean i've heard the stories and it's wild and now you're i mean i've got to imagine one of the younger guys on the field when you get out there i'm probably in the youngest age bracket yeah absolutely and completely <laughs> completely inexperienced at this level i mean i know i played at the single a montana level and even going to play at the NAIA level, you know, against kids that did Portland Timbers Academy, uh, Seattle Sounders Academy. It's a huge jump. Oh, God. So, I guess, what was your first experience on that field? How'd you feel? You know, I, 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 I've always, I've gone to tryouts when I, growing up, playing a soccer, I was always behind the players I was playing with in Montana, either at club or the ODP program at the time. They had always been playing longer. Sure. And so it was one of the things that, I just had to show what I was good at. And at the time, I was an athlete. And my whole life, I was fast. I could jump. And I read the game well. I was quick. And so I was kind of used... It was funny. I was like kind of used to trying out. I think that the hardest thing for me was going from even the ODP, you know, Olympic Development Program in Montana. You had seven kids at a practice. So even though it's the quote-unquote top level, it it's still not a great sure. training environment. Yeah. You know, and then my high school team, my coach would come ask me what we should do for practice or run a session <laughs> by me before we even trained. Oh, yeah. So I, it's, it's hard to like to, to talk about how when I showed up to practice, I mean, the sessions put together, it's there. Yeah, it's progressed. Uh, it, it's all set up. I mean, now being a coach, I'm like, man, they were, yeah, they were on it. I mean, it's just yeah. kind of how it should be done. And they're professionals. I yeah. mean, it's just completely different. Your coach, I mean. I don't want to slander your coach at Big Fork, but it's the same thing with any any program in Montana, single A or anything. Most of the stuff coming out of the state, I mean, it's all relative, right? So mm-hmm. we're just not necessarily a super well-developed soccer country, and that's what we, we want to talk about. But so you go, and certainly that's the case within the state of Montana, but so you, you take this huge jump, you get up there. Did you notice that you were not, were you technically at the level? I was I was a little behind and and I don't I don't think technically it was that I couldn't obviously it wasn't that I couldn't play at that level I think it was I got away with things technically that I couldn't at that level for sure, example sure. my first touch would be 2 yards or 3 yards mm-hmm. into space you know yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a touch where I'm going oh there's space there I'm going to take my attacking touch into space what I didn't realize is the guy that's next to me knows I'm going there, is as quick as I am or stronger than me or faster than me. Sure, older than you in Older this than case. me, more experienced. And so they're waiting for it. I can't show that much of the ball. I'm going to lose it every single time. It's got to be tighter. I can totally. never show the ball to anybody else. And so it was just things like that to learn. Yeah. Uh, did I, you change I, that up pretty quickly? I mean, did, was that a mid-session thing that you were able to change or was that a huge – did I, that take a couple tryouts to – I think – no, it, it happened right away. And I think that's the only reason why I was successful. Sure. If I wasn't a player, I learned by watching. I can copy. So if I wasn't a player yeah. that learned very quickly, and I think that comes down to the mental side of the game, which sure. needs to be taught more, especially Montana, but I think everywhere, creating creative players and learning quickly and learning by watching and doing and counter, counter you know, 
acting what everyone else does. But sure. I believe that I learned right away. So when I when that happened, I went, mm. and it probably wasn't very self-aware of me. Yeah. Somebody probably said, Roland, you know, with some vulgar language. Yeah, you got to be tighter. Yeah, you got to keep the ball closer, man. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay, mm-hmm. perfect. I mean, going in there, the one thing I remember is there's two two big things, that first tryout. First one was I, was, I always was told that my players will tell me to turn. If if I'm getting the ball, they'll tell me to turn or not to turn. Sure. So I never looked over my shoulder ever in a soccer game. Yeah. Like ever. And I remember getting the ball. And nobody says don't turn. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna turn, and I got you got smashed. Yeah. Absolutely wrecked. Sure. Clean tackle, <laughs> just you know, a yeah. grown man pro like professional tackle. Like yeah, you're in the big leagues. It's gonna now. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think they're probably laying a little. Yeah. Little this extra. 18 year old American kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was the biggest one is that you have to be your own self-sufficient player. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's the game's happening so fast. Sure. I think the second one was, and it's still bad in the States, well, especially Montana, not, not everywhere else, is that you play defense and you defend with any means necessary until the ref calls you for a foul. Sure. So grabbing, pulling with your arms, grabbing jerseys, pinning, pinning arms so they can't get up to full speed, all that stuff. I went into a 50-50 tackle face-to-face with another player. I go to win the ball. The player puts two hands in my chest, pushes me flat to the ground, turns and takes the ball and runs away. Sure. And the coach yelled at me for not going hard enough into the tackle. Yeah. So just a different level of physicality. Yeah. Something I was never taught I was even allowed to do. Yeah. I think those are the two things. But I I was fast enough. I was quick enough. I learned quickly. I did things that I knew I could do. I tried sure. to be as successful as possible. So I wasn't trying to be the player I was in Big Four. I was trying to no. be the best player I could in that session. Yeah. And I showed out. I was probably top 10 fastest player there. Wow. Uh, I was quick. I could jump. I, and I worked my tail off. And I think that's what helped too is, you know, coming from Montana. But being raised the way I was as my parents is just go out and work as hard as you can. Sure. And a lot of those professional athletes, you know, they're making five, six thousand dollars a week. Yeah. I'm making nothing. They're kind of just there. They know they're playing on the weekend. It's the biggest practice of your life. It's the biggest practice of my life. I'm going in Absolutely. and working my tail off. So needless to say, we know that. And I've seen you I've seen you perform in, in pressure situations and I know that you've got that mentality, but so did you get a contract. Is that was that the next step? Uh, I did. I did it. So that's the first tryout of the first two. So it was that one, and then they came back to me at the end of the session. There's three other guys that were on trial. What's instead of a tryout in England, they call it a trial. Sure. So there's a trial period. We all had single day trials, and there's three of us. And he called the trialists over at the end of the session and said. You know, you two, you're good to go. Roland, I'll see you tomorrow. Big, I mean, I went, it was like I signed a million dollar deal. Yeah. I went, my dad and I had dinner and we kind of celebrated like. Sure. Because it's not, even if it ended there, it was somebody at that level wanted to see more. Yeah, they validated you. At least temporarily. Temporarily validated. Where I mean, even if I would have failed there and I would have stopped or I was just, you know, the next day I'm not good enough. I, I showed that I'm at a higher level than I ever thought I could play at. Sure. Or compete at. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't, you know, it's four and a half more years of that. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, so it was that. And I was there for another week and played in a reserve match, played well, went to another reserve match, and then a player they wanted to see showed up. And so I got sent home. 
And then I got an offer to train with their biggest rival, a division lower than them in division, the last um, foot professional football league division in England, uh, Gillingham. And I didn't know I was supposed to go back to, or not Gillingham, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to go back to Gillingham. So I said, yeah, I'll go to South End United. Went to South End United and stayed there for four and a half, five months. And it was, it was awesome. Played with their youth and reserve team. Wow. Uh, and there's tons of stories there, but yeah, that was the next step. And they, they offered me, you know, to train with them. I didn't get a contract there either, but they offered me to train with them for a long time. Sure. Yeah. And you're still, so you're still in England. So you're still speaking the same language. You've got that kind of, it's something that I think we take for granted, especially, I mean, I, I was in a situation where I went to a much higher level than I was accustomed to playing in Montana high school soccer. And you, you know all about that. And um, some of the kids that we coach are about to find out about that when mm-hmm. they go on to their, their respective careers. But um, I spoke the same language as, as the people that I, that I was playing in. And even when you were in England, you're still going into a different culture. You're one of the youngest guys. I, I'm sure it was the same situation with your second pro team that you were experiencing where you're still one of the younger guys. What was it like to be that far away from home and interacting with these older adult players? You don't even have, I mean, when I'm going to college and I started meeting the guys, yeah, I'm 18 years old and I'm younger than the seniors, but there are eight or nine 18 year olds coming in and playing with me that are part of my class. And we're all within four years. You're going to a team where some of the better players might be in their early Mm thirties. What was it like to, to navigate that? And I mean, basically were you lonely? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, even in England, the, the, a lot of the players I played with because, you know, even if I get to train with the first team or the, even some of the reserve guys that are either coming back from an injury, you know, get some of the older players there. Or some, you know, some um, journeyman guys that are 24, 25 on sure. the reserves. So you're still dealing with a more younger, younger demographic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I trained, I, I trained with the, the first team. I just not, I'm around them. They're preparing for games. So sure. if it's pregame or things, you know, I'm not in that first team yet because, I, because I'm not signed. They can't play me, so there's no. Uh, but I, I, I think, yeah, it's really lonely because... Players over there, I was blessed that I had, <laughs> I had a childhood. I was raised, uh, and, and it's interesting. I was raised as a as a just an, a kid. You know, I wasn't yeah. being fast tracked. You weren't to groomed. Signed a million dollar deal. No. Where since I was twelve, I was told, okay, you have four more years. You're gonna sign your schoolboy contract, so then you're gonna go and you'll try and find your sign your first pro deal, and you're going out on loan. I'm playing in Big Fork High School. I don't yeah. know. I'm just having. I'm just being totally. a kid, and yeah. so I. I think I matured, and I had great parents, but I matured in a different level. When I was at, I was better friends with the manager and the coach of the, you know, like the youth under twenties and the reserve team. Than you were with them. Than I was with the players. Sure. Even the yeah. first team guys that are thirty. Like yeah. I, I'd rather, you know, Hang on that team at that time, on that team at the time. At Southend United, you had on loan Junior Stanislaus, who plays at Bournemouth now, off the bench. Simon Francis, who's the I believe one of the cap, the captain at Bournemouth and one of their center backs. Um, you had Patrick Bamford was there for a while, who's on Chelsea's books. I, I don't know where he's playing currently. I just saw that. I think he's at. I can't remember. Uh, but you know, there. I mean, there's guys now yeah. that are playing the Premier League. Sure. But I, I could like they were just. 
they were trying to get their next deal, their next contract. Was there a thing. huge um, technical gap between those guys and some of the lower level players on the roster? Uh, junior, uh, junior Stanislaus, you knew. you could tell you immediately, could tell. and it's because he's an attacking player, right? Sure, he, you he can see the creativity, the yeah. creativity, the flair, the next level of touch and ability. Uh, I was honestly, and hopefully Simon Francis doesn't listen to this, but when he when I <laughs> he saw will. him in a pro game or at Bournemouth in the Premier League, I was like, God, I didn't know he was that good. Yeah. Well, people um, improve, Roland. That's a yeah, that's a and, thing. and but that shows you that shows you where he was. <laughs> sure. You yeah. know, and now and now he's playing at the top level, playing yeah. against all the best players in the world. You know, and that's the best something. In the world. That's something, and I apologize for interrupting you too, but it's something that I hope that. If younger players that we coach and um, both Roland and I coach in the same conference in Montana high school soccer right now, and there are a number of players on both our teams that will either hopefully go pursue a collegiate career athletically or do what you did and kind of take the fast track and take a big jump and try to go play professionally right away. I think it's important to know that even if you're not where you want to be right away, that if you work your tail off, you continue to grind and you are hopefully given an opportunity where you can continue to improve mm-hmm. – you can make that jump and end up being the player that you've got guys, you know, recording a podcast 10 years down the road and saying, man, where'd that come from? You know? Oh, exactly. I, I think, I think a biggest, the biggest lesson is, and something that I, I didn't really know or was aware of is you have to be willing to suffer. Sure. Fail. Uh, I mean, fail, but I mean, I mean, and, and failure is part of suffering. Like, you have to suffer. Uh, you know, walking to and from training, uh, getting picked on by other players on teams, getting bullied because you're an American kid, uh, that, that, that'll happen. Or yeah. you're a, you know, you're a Hispanic kid playing on an American team. You're a Hispanic kid playing in Germany or wherever. I mean, sure. whatever it is, if you're going to a different culture, you can, you will get made fun of. And that's just the way football teams work. And you have to have thick skin and know it's part of life. Uh, but you got to be willing to suffer and be lonely uh, and just pursue the game and, and get as good as you can and take every opportunity and be, like you said, you might not be at the level you want. You might be let go. You might not be given a contract. That doesn't mean you can't make it. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I think I, first of all, I didn't know any of that, that part of the story. I do know that you end up in Belgium. Mm-hmm. So I guess briefly try to fill me and whoever ends up listening to this, but um, fill me in on some of the gaps that ended up leading you from, from this level in England and then obviously into ending up at Racing Ghent in Belgium. Well, I think there's there's a big, I mean, there's, and maybe sure, in, there's in a another- there's a two-hour story. You could yeah, in another podcast, I think we can go, another episode, we can go into the whole time I spent, you know, I, I was at Manchester City. Sure. In 2010, just after the financial takeover. Which was very, very special. But I, when I was at South End United, and we'll kind of skip through the Manchester City thing or briefly touch on it. But when I was at South End United, I was almost loaned to St. Pauli in Germany. They went into administration, so it didn't work. But I almost was going to sign a pro deal in Germany. That was another thing. Like, it's all done. And then Doesn't now happen. I'm not going to have a pro contract. Yeah, disheartening. Yeah, so that was a up and down thing. Um but I got I got really depressed playing for South End United. I was living in the digs with sixteen year old kids, and it was babysitting all yeah. the time. Uh, so I quit, 
I, wow. I actually quit. I told my dad, I don't want to pursue this anymore. I want to come back to the States and try and play in, in the United States. You know, I've got a little bit of a resume, a little bit of a CV. I can make it happen. So I went, mm-hmm. I moved back to Los Angeles, bigger soccer hub. I played with FC Hosenthal, which is like a PDL level team down there. Sure. Played some games with them. Um, after that, I coached. I coached at Campbell Hall as an assistant JV coach. I was uh, 19 years old. And wow. kind of got complacent. I was 19. Got complacent. Wasn't playing as much. And out of the blue, Manchester City called a, a friend of my dad's about having me come to their preseason trial. And the, and the wow. reason they did is... When I was at South End United, I changed the 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 snack realm, and I had such an impact on the youth and reserve teams. All they used to hand out candy to everyone, and I don't eat sugar, so I ate apples. I got bought my own apples. I bought a bushel of apples. So all the kids go, oh, "That's cool," and I told them about that I don't eat sugar, and this is why. And so they all started eating apples. Well, when Man City was taken over in 2010, they wanted to create an American culture and create a more team environment. So it was so competitive and they heard this story of this American kid. So they wanted me to come up there and the meet apple me. guy, the, the apple American story. apple guy. Yeah. Wow. So I, so I, I ended up going to man city. I did their whole 2010 preseason, um, played with some, some top players. I mean, Patrick Vieira just at the end of his career, Tevez, mm-hmm. Nigel de Jong, Alexander yeah. Kolarov, James Milner, Craig Bellamy, um, Dedrick Boyata now plays for Celtic. John Guidetti, Swedish national team player. You know, a, a lot of guys. And I, I played with them, and they kind of became my agent, my parent. I didn't have an agent. I was yeah. negotiating everything. So they're my parent club. They tried to send me to Italy. Italy had just lost in the World Cup, so they restructured all their visa regulations. And so Italy was one of the easiest places for an American to play. Wow. And then that year it turned into not being able to do that. Uh, they kind of said, you know, after I went to Man City, they said, you're about a second division, a top end second division Italian player at the moment. I think that's where we should send you. Sure. Wow, that's cool. Felt, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, this is two years of development out of out of high school, I'm 20 now. Uh, but eventually they said, you know what? Belgium's a good fit. Let's send you to Belgium. Sure. And so I went. I, I moved. I met, a, uh, uh, I met an agent over there, Jesse DePreter. And he took me in, and I started getting tryouts right away. About six different tryouts all over, all over Belgium. Wow! Uh, and so Man City kind of, you know, until Pep Guardiola came in two years ago, they used to call me once a month and see what I was up to. And wow! Just at, I mean, they're a great organization, and he kind of restructured things. So now Pep doesn't hit you up. Pep does not call me. I'm no. somewhat not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, probably has bigger fish to fry. So you end up in Belgium, and so that's a completely different monster, I guess, because. Completely different language, completely mm-hmm. different culture, and again, you're back in this situation where you're doing all these trials. Did you ever think? I mean, I guess you got you got this huge validation from Manchester City, but again, this is kind of a funny, the story of the the nutrition aspect of things. But you've been told that you could play second division Italian soccer. Did you ever think when you had all these six trials and maybe you didn't get a contract right away? Did you ever think about kind of hanging them up a little bit and maybe going back to the coaching stuff that you talked about earlier and uh no not at the time I was still young I was still willing to suffer and grind I, the living in Belgium was one of the hardest 
the hardest times. Really? Yeah, it, it, just because they don't speak the same language. You yeah. know, you go to training and you don't get to talk to anyone. Is there a decent navigation of the English language? I mean, I know I've spent a lot of time in Iceland um, not playing soccer, but um, working and doing different things. They speak really good English. They do They do really well over there. Is it the same situation in Belgium or not so much? Well, it is, but they didn't tell me. So what okay. happens is when you join a team and you're on trial, besides the owners and coaches, nobody really wants you there on the team because you're coming and you're probably going to take somebody's spot. Sure. Like they're looking to bring new blood in. Yeah. So they, they don't, they're not hitting you good passes. They're not even passing you the ball. I mean, they just don't care. And so when I showed up, Nobody spoke English. I learned that everyone spoke great English after a while. Yeah. But in the beginning, nobody nobody would speak to me. Um, and and <laughs> sure. I think it was just, it's kind of a test, you know? Yeah. New guy, is he good? Can he play? Nobody wants to make an allegiance and then not, not, look, uh, not look like he's supporting the current team. Sure. But, you know, I, I think that's, that's, the, that's the other piece is that I trained in a foreign language. And the coach did not cater to the one trialist. No. He's yeah, not going to And that's cater. probably, and that's the biggest difference that I've noticed so far in your story. Obviously, going internationally is different than playing collegiate soccer. But when you come in as a recruit for a college trial or a tryout, most of my experience in doing half dozen to a dozen of them, you, you have the coach completely catering to you because they want to build this environment that's almost unrealistic where you think that, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm special, right? Uh-huh. This, and the, they show you the campus and they do all this stuff. Not at all the experience navigating the professional realm, right? You show up, you don't really know anybody, you go right to the pitch and show me something or get out of here. Yeah, pretty much. You just, there's no concession like, hey, it's good to have you here. Okay, we're going to be running this. There's like, I mean, I bet it would be that way if you were, when Manchester United signed Ronaldo sure. from sporting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. You know, you're getting brought in, you're taking care but of. But you're not Cristiano. I'm begging, no, I'm begging, and I'm not somebody they saw. I'm begging for a trial. Sure. I was sent there, and I was sent there by actually a gentleman from Club Bruges sent me there, top team in Belgium. So I was, you know, I had a little bit behind me, but still, I was like, okay, some American kid, you know, we don't have big stock, especially if I'm not recruited to play in the top division. Sure. Why am I, you know, and it was because Club Bruges was connected to Man City, that people down the road, Club Bruges is like, all right, let's send you here, let's get you some experience, and then we'll bring you up, kind of scenario. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel, I was the best player on the field in my trial. I was one of the top team players at that at the club at Racing Ghent, I just, you know, and I did end up sign, signing a contract, but it's such a, it's, you have to watch and learn. You have to watch, copy, you know, you, yeah. obviously you, when you watch a, a game, when you're watching Chelsea play, you know who their best player is. Yeah. Or when you watch a team you don't know, it's pretty quick, you know who yeah. their best players sure. are. So for when you go to a training session, you're looking for the best player. Yeah. And you're maybe looking for the captain, the biggest leader. Sure. Because they're going to do things properly. And you just... You know, you watch, watch them become a study. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a it's which a is similar to college. Not to interrupt, but it's it's the same thing at college. Totally, you go there, right? Totally, yeah. Especially, I mean, it's interesting. I'm a goalkeeper, and I didn't mention that earlier in the podcast. But those of you that know me know that. But it's so it's different, right? Because I can just play simple out of the back. But if you're playing on the field and you see somebody playing, 
you kind of have to understand who the playmakers are. You got to get them the ball. You certainly don't want to turn the ball over. You're probably playing with limited opportunities, but you're also navigating this realm where, hey, I want to show something. Mm-hmm. But I also don't don't want to make some mistakes that are going to get Precise. kicked off the field. What was what was your mindset through all that? Because I mean, again, being a goalkeeper, I'm playing simply out of the back. I want to show that I'm technically good enough to be here with my feet. But my main concern is controlling my box and being a good shot blocker. You're dealing with way different dynamics. I think it's interesting. I mean, eventually, as a goalkeeper, they're gonna test you. Yeah. Right. Eventually, you're gonna have to. Make I'm gonna a go save. through a session. Yeah. Or I'm gonna go through a shot blocking session. Exactly. Let's get know? to see it. I got my college scholarship off a shot blocking session. By the way, I didn't even play 11s, and they gave me a scholarship. They just saw me blocking shots, which was great because my feet were terrible. Mm-hmm. Out of Montana. Yeah, yeah, right. So they probably gave me more money than they really initially intended to. Well, I think it. You know, as a field player, like I mentioned, excuse me, I mentioned before. They don't want to give you the ball, because they don't want. Yeah. So that's they might not want too. trust you or one. Want you to want show. Want you to show. Yeah. So you're going to get the ball in areas that are not ideal. Sure. And I think I learned, you know, I, at this point at Racing Ghent, I had probably done one, two, counting how many sessions. I'd probably been close to 10, tra- 10 professional tryouts. Sure. And those aren't wow. one day. You know, those are anywhere from South End United, four months to, you know, four days at Gillingham. So I, I kind of knew what I was in for. And I know when you get into the games and you get into sessions where guys want to win, you know, because everyone wants to win when you're yeah. at that level. They want to win the small Super side. Competitive. And you get in and you demand the ball and you're in an area where you might be able to help them win. They're going to give it to you. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to take your chances. Sure. Or even if you don't score, they start to enjoy playing with you and you can, you can earn some trust, which I did. And I made lots of, I mean, I still have friends from over there. That's amazing. Uh, so it, yeah, but so how long was your tenure over there? I played a, I played a year at Racing Ghent, and then they signed me for a second contract, and then I was denied a visa by the Belgium wow. government. Yeah. So I didn't go back. Um, I didn't go back to Belgium, and that's when I came back to the States and was kind of just going to gather. And I was trying to get my visa from Los Angeles to the Belgian consulate. They denied my visa, and so now I'm... I'm back in the States and I'm playing for FC Hosenthal again. And I, that's where I met the Rapids sure. where you, you and I started playing together yep. after you got out of high school and college. Uh, so I was just playing with every men's team and, that you possibly could. That I possibly could. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's where, you know, we're getting towards the end. And, but that's where I think our, the Path to Pro series, you know, learning a little bit about my story. But the Path to Pro series will help a player like me in that exact moment. Absolutely. Because when I came back to the U.S., I didn't really know what to do to keep playing. Like, I knew I had some connections, but I didn't know about the the USL teams and sure. PDL teams. And, oh, I could move and make a couple hundred bucks playing yeah. here or $1,000 playing here. I just thought, well, I got to get a tryout on the MLS. Mm-hmm. And I did. I got a tryout at Toronto FC. But... I didn't like, I didn't know what the what the direction was. And I no. think for us is yes, it's great to try and play in the MLS and it's great to try and play overseas. But sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes you don't get recruited where you think you should. And I think knowing how to continue to pursue and it's gotta come from you gotta suffer. 
Sure. You got to be willing to give up relationships and mm-hmm. not have a girlfriend and yeah. you know all those things yeah. to 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 try and pursue it. And, and I think there's lots of options for me. I just didn't really know how to go about it. Sure. Yeah, I think it's about it's about a love of the game. First of all, that's huge, and and that that's something that you obviously had, and that's why you were able to deal with all those things. But it is interesting because I think the biggest thing that I aim to do, and I and I really want to just help be a conduit to tell some people's stories, you know, different people at different levels. But I also do want to highlight the fact that it doesn't matter exactly how you do this. There are a number of different ways, you know, playing collegially and seeing kids that go and play Portland Timbers U23s and finding those connections. It's it's funny to compare that then to your story. And um, long story made long, I think, the biggest thing is it doesn't really matter how you do it. What matters is that you love the game. And once you're at a certain level, it's just about heart and uh, continuing to grind and continuing to suffer. So, I, And I think you're will, you, you, get, you have to be willing to find the right fit. And, and I didn't, you know, I went a certain direction. You know, you have the, the, all the U, young U.S. guys that are playing overseas. They've got family members and grandparents that allow them to have sure. this, these visas where they can go play. I didn't have that. No. And if I would have known that and I would have known and had a tool like our series to say, oh, well, if I don't have that, well, this is what I would need. And we'll get into that in later episodes. Sure. But this is what I need. Oh, I don't have that. Well, what are my options? Yeah. If I'm not being scouted by a big high school or a high school to college and then into the MLS... I thought like, well, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make it. No. Now with the new USL structure, which we'll get into, I think there's so many avenues where you can not only play in different countries where you don't have to have visa issues, but just in the states, like sure. so many different clubs yeah, the in the landscape where you can get you trial for a roster spot, open tryouts, and, and I think if I would have known that, I probably would still be playing. Yeah. But I didn't, so I wait. I wasted quote unquote but I had this great five year journey kind of in an area where I couldn't sign a contract because I had no way to bypass the system there yeah uh, you know I got to play with Patrick Vieira a world cup winner one of the best midfielders of all time pretty so incredible I'm not I'm not complaining you did okay for yourself Vincent Company I'm not complaining but <laughs> yeah, uh, throw that last one yeah. in there for you I'm not complaining but I I think it's a it's going to be a great you know, the path to pro series will be great, but it'll be great to dive into the different avenues and what's needed to play in certain areas, certain regions, and how you can utilize the new U.S. landscape to really kind of pursue the dream and go after it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think to finish things up, whether it's for someone that just wants to hear people's stories or whether it's for young players that we coach and young players all around the country and all around the world that want to hear about how they could possibly do it, the biggest thing we want people to know is that it's possible. You know, if you if you love the game and you really want to pursue this, it might not come through the medium that you thought it would, but it is possible. And I think that these different stories are going to highlight that. And obviously, we're very excited that you were the first person to tell yours. And um, thanks for having this conversation with us, Rowan. You got it, Thomas. So, and, and we'll be having more people on here. And Thomas and I will be kind of guiding us through this together. And we'll have... Some of the legend athletes, some of the legend pros, and some other acquaintances and friends that we have in store for you. Uh, but if you if you like the podcast, share it with everyone you know. It, it's going to be fun. It, it'll it'll be stories. It'll be insight into how to you know pursue the game. Sure. And if you have questions, hit it. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Please let us know any questions that you want to be 
have addressed, you want to know more about, uh, we, we'd be happy to help and in any way we can. And I guess just thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it.